going to take a few moments to open our time in prayer, and then we will get going with our teaching. Father, thanks for another opportunity to meet. We thank you, God, for your presence, and we thank you that uh, you desire that we learn more about you. You desire that we know you more. You desire that we come closer to you in relationship, and it's all part of your desire that you make a way for that to happen. And so tonight, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to teach us. We pray for your Holy Spirit to help us open our hearts and our minds to the truth that you want to pour in. And I just ask you, God, that we would be open to something new tonight, open to something that may be different or or something that may be something we've not thought of before. But I pray, Father, that we would have just an openness to whatever you want to reveal, whatever you want to say, however you want to encourage us, correct us, whatever the case may be. But God, I just pray that you would speak, and I pray, God, that we'd respond. We thank you for this time, this place, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to just open up to the Gospel of John, chapter 9. And verse 25, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 25. If you need a Bible, Don is waving one at you right now. And he'll make sure you get it. Alrighty, John nine twenty-five. <laughs> As a friendly reminder, if you'd like to ask a question or leave a comment for us, you may do so uh, at the website. It's uh, speakpipe, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash Monday Night Bible Study. That's all one word. Use it like a voicemail. You can press a button, leave your message, and we will do our best to respond to that in a timely fashion. John 9.25 You replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. All right, I don't know. Anybody know what's going on here in John 9.25? Jesus had healed a, a blind man, and so the the Pharisees uh, had called to investigate whether or not this had actually happened. And so, if you go all the way back uh, to you know back in the, the ninth chapter of John, they even called his parents in, and uh, and so what they were trying to determine was. The man had said that he was had been born blind. He had never seen before. And Jesus had healed him. And the Bible says that the, the people there, the, the religious people there, didn't believe him. They didn't believe the man. They didn't believe on a number of different levels. They didn't believe that he had been born blind. They didn't believe that Jesus had healed him. And they didn't believe Jesus was a righteous man who could heal people. They didn't believe any of those things. And so this man standing as a testimony saying, I was born blind, but now I see, because Jesus healed me, went against a bunch of things that they believed. So I want to encourage you just right off the bat, because the people that were really questioning this, they were the religious people of the day. I mean, everybody looked to them and said, they're the religious people. They're the people that know God. They're the people that follow God. They're the people that are really serious about God. And and their day was just like our day. I mean, there were always people that were serious about God and people that weren't serious about God. 
people that went through the motions when it came to God, people that actually just lived their whole life out, living for whatever it is God had for them. And there were other people that just didn't care, and they didn't pay any attention to it whatsoever. I mean, their day wasn't, people are people. And that's the interesting thing about the scriptures. If you read the Bible enough, you begin to see people are people. And that, and they've been people for thousands of years, and they're still people. And they're still making good and bad decisions. They're still making great and awesome and not so awesome decisions. They're still doing things that are self-destructive. They're still doing things that are rebellious. They're still doing things that are disobedient. I mean, I was just talking, I, was, I was listening to some guy talking about uh, and he was uh, referring to, and he's not a Christian, he's not religious in any way that I know of, but he was uh, recounting the Bible story about the people of Israel and as they were wandering through the wilderness. And, and he had referred to the, the, the people of Israel as being very uh, wild and, and untamed. And there were people that, uh, and I was listening to a show, and people were calling in, they were very offended by that. He said, well, how else do you describe these people? Moses went up onto the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and they couldn't even stay straight, you know, like with what they were supposed to be doing for 40 days. They couldn't even last a little over a month. They were down, and they were dancing, and they were partying, and they were worshiping a calf to the point when Moses came down the mountain, he smashed the Ten Commandments on the ground and broke them to pieces. It's like, how else do you describe those kind of people? But those are God's people. That's who he's chosen. And so there's no surprise that you start going through the history of Israel and you start going through the times. You see that there's ups and there's downs. There's good times and there's bad times. There's times of obedience and worship and there's times that there's not. And so this is the human condition is what I'm trying to say. And so as the human condition, as this is the human condition... I want to just encourage you to a couple things. Uh, one is really just be careful what you believe. Like what you decide you're going to hang on to about it. Because right? there are certain things you should hang on to. There are certain core beliefs, structural beliefs that you should really hang on to. Those are the important things. And you should. You should, you should just stay solid, hang on to those things. But that's not all we hang on to. There are certain things that, that you come out of your childhood believing. Certain things you come out of your church life, if you went to a church, believing. Certain things that you come out of your families, believing. Because that's what you were taught. That's what you were told. And that's what it is, according to whoever told you that. And so we have to be careful when we come out of our situations, whatever those situations are, as to what we're really hanging on to, because what really matters. There were some weird things that I was hanging on to from my childhood, I didn't even know. And I started reading things, and I started looking into things, and I was reading through the Bible, and there, there were certain parts of the Bible that I could not, somehow, I couldn't reconcile with these things that I believed from my childhood. And I really needed to reconcile it if I was going to keep reading and studying the scriptures. There were things I was reading in books by people that I trusted and people that I really believed hear from God, heard from God that, that I was reading that weren't lining up with things I was told when I was a kid. And I didn't even realize I was still carrying those things. And I was. 
And so I had to examine, well, why is this so hard for me to grab hold of? Why is this so hard for me to believe? Why is this so hard for me to, to really take into my life? Well, a lot of times there's these little stumbling blocks that we have, that we carry from whenever we learn them. Part of the process I go through with people in our internship is to begin to attack those stumbling blocks. To begin to attack those little things that, that, that and it's, it's, it's interesting when I'm doing it, people think, well, that's not important. Well, not right this second, it's not. But it is when we get to point Z down the road. Point A and B, it's not that important. Point M, L, K, whatever down the road, it is important. And so we, we have to look at some of those things that stand in the way. We have to be aware of ourselves, aware of where we came from, aware of what we're carrying with us so that we're not somehow, without even thinking about it, rejecting something that God has for us. Because back to these people, they were the religious people of the day. You didn't get more religious than these people. And they were respected for it. This guy that was blind likely was not very religious. He just, he likely wasn't that religious. He may have been, he may not have been. But they started asking him questions about how he got healed. And he just, he, he really didn't have a lot of arguments for them. He really didn't have a lot of things that he was really going to debate the religious leaders and the Pharisees about. Because there was something key about what happened with him. And you know what was key about what happened with him? From his perspective, think about it. You're born blind. What would be key to this story to you? Whether Jesus was a sinner or not? How about whether Jesus was a prophet or not? How about whether or not the Pharisees liked Jesus? How about whether they agreed with his doctrine? What about his doctrine? Do you even care about his doctrine? What would you really care about if you were born blind and you had this encounter with Jesus? What's the one thing that would really stand out to you? I can see. Correct. Correct. And I know that seems really super obvious. Right? That seems really obvious. Because that is the really main plane thing that matters in this moment. Well, the, the Pharisees, they refused to see it. Refused. They missed it. They missed the whole thing. Even though the blind guy was standing right in front of them. Even though the guy that had born blind, they, they, they wouldn't believe him. Because they couldn't believe that Jesus healed him because they believed Jesus was a sinner and they believed that sinners couldn't heal people. Wouldn't believe it, didn't believe it, couldn't believe it. They had made their decision about Jesus. It was done, over with, and that's all there was to it, no matter what the facts are. And if you know what I'm saying, that's kind of a, a strong statement, but we live like that every now and then. You got, what's that? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, yeah, and I'm going to get to this, but that was absolutely the wrong question. That was the dumbest question they asked, actually. That was the worst question. And it didn't matter. 
It, it just absolutely didn't matter. And so, yeah, absolutely. Now, Jesus, however, wasn't a sinner, but, but the question itself was wrong because it wasn't important to what just happened. So the man stuck by his guns. He was obstinate in this way. And he should have been obstinate in this way because he had been born blind and now he could see. So what's he going to do? Deny that? Is he going to deny the fact that he was born blind? Now he's, They called his parents to find out. They went and got him. Hey, could you, come, could you confirm to us or not confirm something for us? This man here says, says that he was born blind and that you're his parents. Could you speak to that? Now they were afraid. They were afraid to, to really get into it. And, and they just said, well, he's old enough to speak for himself. If he tells you he was born blind, he was born blind. I don't know why you're asking us. He's a grown man. Well, the reason they were asking him was because they didn't want to believe it. The reason they were asking him was because they didn't want to change their minds. The reason that they were asking for the parents is because they didn't want to change their beliefs. Well, sometimes you have to. Sometimes you're in a position where if you're going to go any further, you're going to move any further in your life, any further in your spirituality, any further closer with God in that kingdom kind of way, you're going to have to change what you're believing or change what you're thinking about something. It's just going to happen. And we need to be pliable enough in those areas that really don't matter to be able to drop something and pick something new up. Because when it comes right down to it, what really matters in our life is where we came from and where we are now. That's what matters. And I don't need to argue with anybody about that. I don't need to argue about that. I don't need somebody to come in and say, well, that didn't really happen. Well, you believe what you want to believe. I know what happened. It's my life. You can tell me this, you can tell me that. I'll tell you what happened in my life. I'll tell you about being healed. I will tell you about being saved. I'll tell you about miracles that I have seen, miracles that I participated in. I'll tell you all about it. You want to believe me? That's up to you. That's up to you, but I won't deny what I know. And so we get to our verse... So we get down to our verse. And his parents did confirm that he was born blind. But then they said, but I don't know how he sees. I don't know this. And it says they spoke these words. Verse 22, they spoke these words because they feared the Jews. Because the Jews, now listen, because the Jews had agreed already amongst themselves that if any man confessed that he was Christ, in other words, Jesus was the anointed one, the Messiah, he should be put out of the synagogue. So they made an agreement with themselves that if anybody believed in Jesus as the Messiah, they'd be kicked out of the synagogue. And so the parents were afraid. They were going to get kicked out of the synagogue for what happened. And so they just ended it and they said, he's of age, ask him. And so they called the man again 
And they said, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. Talking about Jesus. Verse 25 is what we're looking at. He answered and said, so now you know what he's answering. He's answering this. He said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I do know, that I was blind, but now I see. So the question that he's answering is, and the statement that he's answering to is, is that the Pharisees, the Jews wanted him, the Jewish people here wanted him to deny Jesus. They wanted him to deny the healing, to deny what had just happened, because they believed that Jesus was a sinner. And he refused to do it. Now that might be, that would mean that he was going to be kicked out of the synagogue. Well, we don't know how religious he was anyway. It might mean that he was going to be an outcast. Well, he'd been an outcast his whole life. He was blind from birth. And so the general rule among the Pharisees and the Jewish people there, the religious people were, if you were born blind, then either you were a sinner or your parents were. So he had been an outcast his whole life. He sat and begged because that's all he could do. And people would come and they would give him scraps and they would give him little bits of money. And that's all he had going for him. And so do you think the threats of these same religious people that declared either him a sinner or his parents a sinner, do you think he really cared what they thought? Do you think he really cared that they were going to kick him out of the synagogue? He wasn't allowed to go anyway. He could sit outside and collect money, but he couldn't go because either he was a sinner or his parents were a sinner. That's why he was blind. That's what they believed. So when you're dealing with an outcast to start with, which is what he was, you're dealing with somebody that already had nothing to lose. Jesus heals him, and then they're trying to get him to deny it. He had nothing to lose. And he's not going to deny what is plain to him. And that is, he can see. And so, as as Layla was saying, they asked the wrong question. They really did. They, They said, well, he can't do this. He's a sinner. Well, if that were true, no one would ever heal anybody, would they? The only healings that would have ever taken place would have been Jesus. Healing people. That would have been it. There would have been nothing else. In other words... Jesus, you know, he gives, he speaks to his disciples. You lay hands on sick people, they shall recover. That's what he told his disciples. Every disciple he had was a sinner. Every one of them. And, and so he's sending these sinners out by 12, or he's sending these sinners out by the 70 or 72, or as he's ascending into heaven, he's speaking over all of them. He said, go out and heal the sick. These signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will. And it starts naming stuff off. They're going to cast out demons. They're going to speak in new tongues. If they drink any deadly poison, they'll be okay. They lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I mean, these are the signs that will follow the believers. That's what he said. Well, every one of them is a sinner. It's the wrong question. If you choose, and I want you to think about this for a second, and people do believe along those lines, but if people believe, what's the end result of believing that you have to be perfect in order for God to use you? What's the end result? 
You never have to do anything. Right. You got to be perfect for God to use you. You're never perfect. So, off the hook. Go back to that video game because there ain't much to do. Not there yet. Lord, I'm not there yet. Well, you're never there. I'm never there. Nobody's ever there. We're never there. It's not going to happen. I mean, you, you got Peter I mean, at the cross. Right before the cross denying Jesus. You got Jesus after the resurrection restoring Peter, speaking a wholeness over him and speaking forgiveness over him. Last minute what? I mean, seriously, it's like you didn't figure that out after three years? No. And those guys sinned even after that, really. And yet God used them mightily. You can't look at it that way. It's not how things work. It's a terrible question. That is the worst question because it leads to nothing. It leads to inactivity. It leads to zilch for the kingdom. It's a terrible question. It's the wrong question. And so, they, you look at this 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 guy, this outcast, this guy that was born blind, and you've got the, the religious leaders just pressuring him and pressuring him. And all of this is, is they're trying, okay, well, you need to confess this. You need to say this right, because if you don't say this, then there's going to be uh, there's going to be problems, and you're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. Well, he's not worried about any of those things. He doesn't care. He just doesn't care. And so they, they, they assert that he is a sinner. That Jesus is a sinner. And so this guy, and, and I want you to hear the wisdom behind this. This guy isn't going to argue with him about that. Do you see that? He's like, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. And you know what I add in there a little bit? I'm going to add a couple more words. Don't care. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> don't know. Don't care. It was so unimportant to him. I want you to see that. What does he care? Does he care if he's a sinner? Or if the, if the Jewish leaders think he's a sinner, do they care? Does he care? No. Is he going to try to answer that theological question? Is Jesus a sinner? Is he going to try to answer that? No. No. Don't know. Don't know if he's a sinner. Don't care. Not important. Not anything he was thinking about. Because his main message, what was his message? Again, we, we covered this, but what was his message? It was one thing. Okay, he had one message. There's one thing I do know, and I'll add a couple more words, and do care about. <laughs> don't know, don't care about the other thing. I'll leave that with y'all. What I do know, and what I do care about, is I was blind, and now I see. Because that's his story. That's what just happened. And those are the things that he was caring about. That one thing. And, and I, don't, I don't want you to necessarily see that as one thing in exclusion to all others. I'm sure he cared about other things too. But it was the one thing that mattered right then. And that's what those words imply in the original language. It's the one thing that matters right now. And that's the message I want to give you is that that you want to take hold of what matters. You want to take hold of what, what really matters about things. 
I mean, our whole, and, and a good, well, I shouldn't say our whole, our, a good portion of our philosophy of evangelism is based on this. And I don't know if you, you quite understand what I'm saying by that, but a good portion of how we do evangelism is based on this concept of one thing. What matters? Well, people are going to talk to you, when you go out to, to share something about Jesus with somebody, they're going to talk to you about a bunch of different things. All of those things don't care. Alright? Most of them don't care. Don't matter. Don't know. Yeah, that's terrible. I, I have no idea. Doesn't matter. Alright, because here's what I'm here to talk to you about. This I do know. And this is what I'm going to tell you. And it could be a story. It could be your story. It could be about Jesus doing something. It could be a prophetic word that you're going to speak into their life right then. But the idea behind it is what one thing matters right now. And that's what you want to share. All right. Do you understand how that fits into our model? Those of you that have done evangelism, do you get how that fits in? Because what's happening here is, is that. Because you have a, a not particularly religious guy who just had a miraculous experience with Jesus. Miraculous. Powerful. Unbelievable experience with Jesus. Something that couldn't be done any other way. There was no technology to do this. There was no doctor that could pull this off. Nobody. Nobody could do this. And two things happened. I want you to see the two things that happened here. One, the guy got healed. He could see. Blind from birth, he can now see. Can you imagine how overwhelming that would be? I mean, seriously overwhelming. That you've never seen anything before, and now you do. You know, is there any sense? I mean, you think about your senses. But, I, you know, I always think about the you know, primary senses to me are, are sight and hearing. That if you, you never had heard a song, you know, as I say hearing was the sense we were talking about, you'd never heard music before, you'd never heard a person's voice before. Or, or for a blind person, you've heard voices, like you've heard the, the voices of your parents your whole life, but you have no idea what they look like really. Except for what you can feel with your hand. But you really don't know. But how powerful, how powerful is that? I mean, to me, it, it's, it's a moment. It's a powerful moment in this guy's life where it's like he just came alive. And so that was the one thing that happened. The second thing is all the stigma that was on him. The rejection that he had borne his whole life. The judgment that he bore for being blind. He's either a sinner, his parents are a sinner, are sinners. I mean, he carried that his whole life, you know. And so uh, all of that had just been wiped away. And so judgment was wiped away. Rejection was wiped away. All of that. And he could see all at once. All at once, all that took place. He was known, well known, to be blind. He was the blind guy. 
Now he could see. Now he could see. So, there's, a, there's other places in the Bible that talk about how we respond to Jesus. If a person knows they have a need and Jesus meets it, there's a, there's a real thankfulness there. There really is. And, and he, he talked about, uh, in a couple of places, who needs a physician? The sick. But if you're not sick, or you don't think you're sick, you don't go to the doctor. You don't need it. And so part of the issue with this is an issue of perspective. This guy was born with a perspective. He was blind. He knew he had a need. It was pointed out every day to him. He had to sit and beg money just to live, just to eat. There was no program then. There was no, there was no uh, net to catch him in. And so he would have to sit and he would just have to beg money every day. And it was pointed out to him every single day of his life that he was blind, he was deficient, that he was a sinner. His parents were sinners. And this is what was going on. He was excluded from places. All of these things. And so in one moment, Jesus healed him. Super thankful. Super big need. He recognized it. He knew it. He lived it. And there are those of us that come from backgrounds where we, we were delivered out of things, delivered out of drugs or alcohol, or delivered out of situations in our life where we knew we needed help or, or, or something was missing. And God came to the rescue. And, and there's such a contrast between what our life was and what our life became. Thankful. Super thankful. Because so we can see it, we can feel it, we know it. And anytime I talk about this, I, you know, I just get kind of, I get a little bit of, uh, backlash from this because, like, well, I was brought up in church. You mean I'm not as thankful as you? Right. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm serious. Right. Right. And I didn't say that. I mean, Jesus said that. In a, in a couple different places, at least two or three different places I can think of, that he, where he spoke that. And it's okay. It's okay. You don't want to be in that place in need so you can be more thankful. Nobody wants that. I didn't raise my kids so that they could go find some big place of need so they could be more thankful later. You know, I try to protect them and I try to keep them out of those kind of things. Be less thankful. I don't care. Good. Maybe I did my job then. Because they're still going to be thankful. They're still going to thank God for where He has them and what He's done in their lives. And that's good. And I don't want to put them in a situation where it's going to be any different than that. I'm okay with that. It's good. I mean, I look at somebody like, like Mary. You know, she was born and raised in the church. Dad was a pastor. Leading worship from the time she was 10, 11 years old from the piano. Great for her. She was? Yeah. Yeah, great for her. 
Right? But I'm not, you know, it's not a contest. And she's very thankful to Jesus, very thankful for what God's done in her life, very thankful for all the things that, that have happened in her life and all of that. And, I, and it's, it's awesome. And I've had this conversation with her. But the contrast of my life, and she knew me before I was a Christian. The contrast of my life from where I was to where I am is so much greater a contrast that being thankful is just a different level. It's just a different thing. Are you guys following what I'm saying? I'm, I'm maybe not articulating this the best way I can, but I just want you to understand I'm not putting anybody down. Nobody wants to come from that. Just some of us do. And maybe things that would matter to me aren't going to be as detailed or going to be as nitpicky as what would be mattering to somebody else that didn't come from that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and so what I'm trying to get at, though, is that you have a guy here, this is a huge contrast, and he's just super thankful and doesn't care about some of the things that these other people are caring about. Well, they weren't born blind. They'd, they'd, they'd be able to see their whole life. They weren't outcasts. They were in the in crowd. They could go in the synagogue anytime they wanted. They didn't have to sit on a corner and beg. They had plenty of money. They are well taken care of. They were to provide for their families. They had families. You see, they they were concerned about things that he just didn't care about. They were concerned about things that he just had nothing to do with. Because the contrast was so great in his life from where he was a few hours ago to where he was is now that he could only think of one thing. One thing mattered. You know what mattered? I can see. I was blind, and now I see. And I suppose that every one of us can make that kind of a declaration that know Jesus. If you came from somewhere, well, there that was wherever that was, but now you're here, well, you can make a declaration. And maybe you weren't blind, and now you see, but you were whatever you were, and now you're something else. There is a declaration that each one of us can make to that, and that we should make. Because that's what matters. That's what's important now. Because again, what was I saying about the, those moments in evangelism, those moments that we, we train and have been trained in a philosophy of ministry? Well, we've been trained in a philosophy of ministry where certain things just don't matter. Certain questions are, and you can say it this way, or you don't have to say it this way, they're the wrong questions. Some of you know I used to, when I was uh, doing campus ministry, I'd set up on campus and people would, I'd just open up and say, hey, anybody want to ask questions? And I would just open up my questions in the student union or wherever I'd happen to be. And people would just ask me questions. And some of the questions, and as soon as they asked the question, I knew that that's really the wrong question. And I'd try to direct the question back towards something that really mattered. And a lot of times I could do that because it'd be like, all right, well, let me answer your question by saying this. And I'd say something that really mattered. 
And they would be satisfied at the end of it that their question was answered, even though I never addressed their particular question that they asked. Because I addressed something that really did matter, and that was more important in that moment than whatever that question happened to have been. How do you know what matters? I think we just do. And I I think the more that we celebrate what Jesus has done in our life, the more we celebrate the contrast of where we came from and where we're at, the more we celebrate that place that, that really God puts us in, I think it's easier to just look at what matters and what doesn't. I don't care about the little things. I don't. And I don't know why anybody does. People ask questions about different things in the Gospels or the Old Testament to the New Testament or things that I just can't even understand. Why? Why? Who cares? Why does that matter? What are you trying to prove? What are you trying to get out of? What are you trying to say? Because again, it's like if you want to get out of doing something, Put a, put a standard of perfection on it before you even try it. That's the old church trick. Right, Reba? Put the standard of perfection on it. It's like, well, I'll prophesy, you know, when I'm, I'm living right. Well, when are you living right? Never! It's awesome! I, I'll, you know, I'll go and I'll do this for the Lord when I, when I get my life straightened out. Never. It's the old church trick. It's the old church trick to do nothing. It's like that. We want to ask, so you keep asking the wrong questions. Pharisees, why are they asking the wrong question? Well, they don't want to believe it. Why are they asking the wrong question? Well, they don't want to put faith in Christ. Why are they asking the wrong question? Because they don't want to change their belief structure. They don't want to change the way they're living. They don't want to change the way they see things. They don't want to change and and lose their power and their influence and their respect that they have in the community. They don't want to change anything. So they're going to keep asking the wrong questions. Keep asking the wrong things. So not have to do anything. We need to stop it. Right. Absolutely. And I think I think sometimes when, especially in different personalities, have different needs, if perceived needs, if you know what I'm saying. And there are certain personalities you you don't want to move on anything before you have a certain degree of closure about it. In other words, you're looking at stuff and it's like, and, and I'm not just talking about spiritual things. It may be your personality that you want to understand everything there is to understand about something before you do anything. Well, God doesn't work that way. You're going to have trouble with that over time. You may want to see a bigger picture before you take a step. Well, that doesn't always work out. You can't always do that with God. He, he's not, he, he's not operating like that. Always. Sometimes he does, but not always. And so, in order for us not to miss him, in order for us not to miss what he's doing, some of, I, I think we need to really evaluate that in us. 
If you if you have that perceived need, you know, maybe find out why you're a control freak. Because there's a reason for it. There's a reason that you need a high degree of control in your life. There's a reason for that. It makes you feel safe. It makes you whatever. All right, I'm not going to Dr. Phil you right now, okay? All I'm saying is there's a reason for it. Google it. You know, at some point, you took over your life and you're not letting go. All right, I get it. Well, God, God, He wants to be, He desires to be, and He is literally, whether you believe it or not, in control of everything. And you can either come on board with that or keep fighting. Keep fighting. But he is not going to come around to your way of thinking. That's not how he works. He wants you to come around to his way of thinking, which to me is a place of trust and really, truly a place of simplicity. Because you get back to this guy here, and it's as simple as it gets. This is as simple as it gets. You've got these super educated men who are cross-examining him. It's where we get our term lawyer from. They were experts in the law. Alright? So they were lawyers. Experts in God's law, but they were considered lawyers. And they were literally examining him, cross-examining him, trying to get him to confess something that wasn't true. And they were smarter than him, I'll say that, in a sense that they were more educated and they had done this before. But this simple guy who is uneducated, and I'm just saying that because he was uneducated. You know that because he was blind. A common guy who was blind was uneducated. Simple in the head, Simple in thought, simple in deed. And yet these super educated, experienced men could not get him to break what he said. And they tried. And his answer to him is like, yeah, I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. This I do know. And he stuck to his experience. His life changed with Jesus. That's what he stuck with. And you can't go wrong with that. You just can't. That's why we do, again, we go back to the evangelism issue. We do evangelism. I don't expect you to go out there and debate with anybody. In fact, if you do, I'd be upset about it. Because it's a waste of time. You know, this guy... I mean, literally, this guy here, that even if he had tried to argue that Jesus wasn't a sinner, do you think that these highly educated lawyers would care what he had to say? No. They had already made up their minds. What, what, what was he telling them? He said, here's something that you cannot dispute. Because this is something I know. I was blind. And all these people in this community know I was blind because they all gave me money 
when they were going to temple or wherever they were going, all of these people know I was blind. And you know what? Now they see that I can see. So, checkmate. Checkmate. Because in that statement of, I don't know, I don't care, but this one thing I do know, in that one statement, that's the end. Because every other person that knew who he was heard that and they understood something and that is Jesus has power to heal. Jesus has power to set people free from where they're at in society. Jesus has power to take stigma off of people. Jesus has power to release people from bondage. And release people from judgment. You see, that statement uh, to all the people that were listening to this, that statement that he made said all of those things. Every single one of those things was said loudly and clearly to the people that were standing around. Without one argument. Without one debate. Without one theological discussion. Nobody was discipled during that time. Nothing happened. You know what happened? One guy said, this is what happened to me. This is my experience with Jesus. Well, what about this or that? I don't know anything about that. I'm telling you, this happened to me. Because that's what mattered right then in that moment. And so I want to encourage you to a couple things. One thing I want to encourage you to is to know your story. To really know your story. That this is where I came from and this is where I'm at. And take some time and just really be thankful for that. I don't care where you came from. You're brought, born and raised in church and, and, and you, you never left the shadow of the, the steeple. That's good. Alright, great. That's your story. Be thankful for that. Be thankful for that. You came from some dark place, but you are where you are now. Got a huge contrast to go from there to here. Be thankful for that. But let's be thankful for what Jesus has done. And then you start thinking about like the little stories every day about how he heals or how he speaks into a situation or how he provides something. Or how he put you in the, the path of someone that just needed some prayer or someone to listen to him. Or how he gives you opportunities to speak into people's lives through prophecy or whatever it is. And you think about all the little stories that we have every single day. Let's rejoice in those too. Because you know what? We know that. We know that. And let's stick to what really matters. I'm going to end with this. I, I was, uh, and some of you have heard this before, but I refer to a, a book that I used to keep of miracles. It was a it was a um, spiral notebook I had from Fredonia, and I started it when I was in Fredonia. I bought it specifically. This was my miracle spiral notebook, and so I started writing in it, and I wrote very neatly, and I wrote every time something happened, like a miracle would happen. And I kept just writing them down. 
three, four, five, six pages, seven. I got at least halfway through the book. I don't know how many pages I got through. Just writing miracles down. And these are the little stories every day that were happening. And some of them were really cool. I mean, some of them were like supernatural provision or supernatural revelation. Uh, one time, um, it was right before there was a big nuclear accident in uh, the Soviet Union. I don't know if you remember Chernobyl. And uh, I would gotten a word that that was going to happen. And I wrote it in my book, my little miracle book. And I drew a picture. And I had, a, I had an actual vision of it and a picture of it and, a, and an X where it was going to happen and everything. And it did. It happened. If you know, it, it really did happen. But I had it in my book, right? And, and there were other things that were in the books, like really cool things. And, and so I, I would look through it every now and then. And one day God just said, you know, you need to throw this out. Throw it out. And it's not because he wanted me to forget what happened. But just to have it all in a book is like, yeah, okay, that's cool. But you got to live this. You need a little story today. You need a little story tomorrow. You need a little story the day after that. And it needs to get fresh. All right? You got to freshen up a little bit here or there. Yeah. And I'll pull an oldie but a goodie every now and then, but you gotta keep it fresh. Alright? And re- yeah, I don't even know where it went. And rejoice in it. Actually, I think the story goes that I threw it out and someone picked it out of the garbage. Somebody I knew though. And so, cause I saw it another time. I don't know where it went after that. <sighs> Whatever. All right, any, any comments or questions? Yeah, I was just listening to a DVD yesterday, um, and he said the same thing. He said, he said, I can't keep telling the old stories of what God's done, and he told me not to because he's doing something new and fresh every day. Mm-hmm. Because I have a new story to tell from yesterday. I have a new story to tell about today, but he was like, I don't keep repeating the same old stories because God just keeps Right. And this should be our expectation. We should live in the expectation that God's going to do something awesome in our life. Right. And I mean, it's, it's not just, yeah, right. It's not just whatever's in the past, whatever's happened. It's got to be now. Yeah. But what's your expectation level? Do you expect the little stories now? I mean, seriously. You expect that? You expect that today? Tonight? Tomorrow? How about when we gather and worship? You know, it really is some kind of expectation, really? Yeah. How about this conference coming up? Have an expectation for what God's going to say, what He's going to do? You should. Because that's another little story coming our way. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you mentioned like from your past, like how sometimes there were things that you wouldn't 
kind of brought us to life and kind of changed it. I, don't, I was just looking for an example. Like, if you had an example from your life. Um, if you had something specific in mind that you remembered, or... Uh, well, there were, there were certain things, um, people liked to argue about when I was in college. Uh, that was, I came, I came at it more from that perspective. I, uh, had been part of a, a Christian organization on campus just briefly when I first came to know Jesus. I could not figure out what they were doing. I tried and I could not figure it out. And so I was like, all right. So I knew a couple other guys that had had really miraculous experience with God the summer before. This was a fall, okay? And I, I was at school when I was, when I came to know Jesus. I was already at school. And so these two other guys, one of them, I had had an experience. He was in a tent meeting and a guy had prayed over him and he blasted backwards like through like 20 rows of chairs or some, some crazy thing, right? And so he'd had that experience. Another guy had had some experience, just some crazy stuff. And so I knew these guys, right? And I was like, all right, you guys, let's, let's start a Christian group or something. And they're like, all right, we didn't know what we were doing. So, you know, we started a Christian group, but we didn't care about stuff. Like, you know, we'd all come from wherever we came from, you know, like wherever that was, you know, we came from there. And, uh, and people on campus all knew us, too. Like, they knew me, you know, what's this guy doing now? And those two other guys, they knew them. One guy was a, a really awesome guitarist that they knew. Uh, he played in some bands, and so they knew him from that scene. And the other guy was a super huge partier. And he had provided a lot of the weed for, like, the dorms and stuff. So, I mean, he was well-known as a dealer. And so, you know, so we all had our reputations coming into it. And so God did the, we just say, all right, things are different now. That's what we're doing. And so we started this Christian group. And didn't know, again, didn't know what we were doing. Just did it. But what we found is that we gathered people that also didn't, didn't know and didn't care either. All right. And that's who we started to gather. And so after we started gathering a bunch of didn't know, didn't care people, and we were just staying right on the, like, this is what we're doing, just really simple stuff. Uh, then other Christians that were sick of caring, sick of arguing about it, started coming around. And they were specifically people that were filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the other group that was on the campus liked to argue about whether or not the baptism in the Holy Spirit was for today or not. And they would just argue about it all the time. And, uh, and so, like, you know, of course, I'm rude. You know, so they come up to me. We'd be sitting at, like, a lit table or something just trying to gather people. And they'd come up and start arguing with me about whether or not, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit is for today or not. I'd just start speaking in tongues at them, you know, while they were talking to me. <laughs> I just start up and just start just keep speaking in tongues like like laughing at them, you know, blah, 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 blah. like whatever. And um, don't know. I I couldn't argue that if I had to. I don't think and didn't care specifically. And all I know is I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Never even heard of it before and spoke in tongues. Never heard anybody speak in tongues in my life. All right. 
didn't even know you're supposed to. And so they were arguing with me about it. It's like, oh yeah, well that's not, you know, I don't think that's for today. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. So stuff like that, you know, is, is that answer yeah. the question? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And, and people would argue about music. Like, uh, like you shouldn't listen to certain kinds of music or you should listen to certain kinds of music or whatever. Or, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, I, really? Okay. Yeah, I didn't get that either. But that, that was what was going on. Those were the days. Anybody else? Questions, comments? Yes. You were talking about, like, like where would it be painful for, like, for example, like, that, you know, made it possible for me to smell or something. But we don't find um, time to be painful for, like, okay, my car broke down because it avoided that accident that I could have been in because I, you know, we don't think of how... Now, I understand what you're saying, and I would say start off by just being thankful for the things that you can see. You know, like like this is obviously something I should be thankful for because God provided or God healed me or God gave me wisdom in this or God showed me something. You know, to, to be mindful of that. Then, once you're mindful of those things, then begin to apply that to other areas. And I, and I really, uh, you're right. You're right, because there are times where I'll specifically, I get, um, I get uh, uh, alerts on my phone because uh, I used to drive an ambulance and I just never turned it off. And it tells me when there's accidents, where they're at, and what time they occurred. And then it tells me when they're clear because that affects driving to hospitals and things like that. And, uh, and so there have been times where uh, one of the kids or one of our cars broken down. And, you know, of course, I know where they were going and I have to go and I have to, you know, do whatever I'm doing. But th- there was an accident there, you know, and thinking to myself, wow, that's that God would let me see that, you know, because I, I don't always see that, of course. But it's happened enough times where I'm fairly convinced that there's, I think there's sometimes there's reasons for things to happen. And I think other times, um, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. Yeah, you know, and and, and things just happen. I, and I do believe that, too. Uh, the Ecclesiastes says time and chance happen to us all. And so I do believe that. I don't think everything, every single thing has a purpose, but I think there are things that do. And so I want to be open to that. I want to, I want to hit the obvious stuff first, but then be open and say, oh, you know, maybe there is something to this. But maybe not. Or 
Well, the, the thing in, with, with Jesus is that the contrast produces or should produce in us a gratitude. And gratitude, and I, I've been hearing a lot about gratitude lately. It's a kind of a new buzzword with people. But gratitude is powerful. I mean, really powerful in our life. And, and it can transform our outlook and transform our lives. Just gratitude. And, and we're given that opportunity as Christians because we were something and now we're something different. And I can only attribute that to Jesus and I'm just really thankful for it. And, and I mean, the, the larger the contrast, the greater the, the gratitude. Yeah. And, and I mean, a, a, a counselor that's not a Christian can't really draw from that. But we can. But we can. Because even among non-Christians, gratitude is a huge, huge topic right now. And it's a transformer for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But we're just talking today. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I know about, really. Today. Here we are. Yeah, I'm so forgetful. Yesterday's not even that clear anymore. I mean. <laughs> all right. Let's pray. Father, thanks for just. Uh, where you brought us from to where we are. Each of us has a story. Each of us has come from somewhere. There is a contrast in our lives. Some of it is a greater contrast than others, but wherever it is, wherever it came from, God, I thank you for the opportunity for gratitude that we have every single day in recognizing that you have brought us to where we're at. And so I pray, God, that we would live with a thankful heart toward Jesus. And, and we each have a story. We each have something, God, that you've done. We've got a big story of our life from where we were to where we are. But every day there's opportunities for those little stories to happen where, uh, we, we see you move. We see you speak. We see you provide. We see you protect. We see you, God, open up doors. We see you close doors sometimes. But God, we just say thanks that, that we're given opportunities every single day to to witness to witness to bear witness of the living God in our lives and so Lord I pray that we would take uh, notice of, of when you move we take notice of of when you when you you flow through our lives we take notice of when you speak we take notice of when you show up into our situations we take notice god when you touch us physically emotionally spiritually and i pray father that we would stay really on the really important main stuff that really matters and just let the other things just wash away and slide away from our lives we don't need to worry about so much stuff. So God, I pray a cleansing over our minds, a cleansing over our hearts, that you'd set us free. 
just be kind of a don't know, don't care, but in a real positive and powerful way that you can use in the world that we live in. God, thanks. Continue your work as we move forward in you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 God bless you guys. Good to see you tonight.